In a world where streaming encroaches on theatrical moviegoing, Denny Villeneuve's Blade Runner 2049 was made to be seen on the big screen. Similar to how Jack Fisk's art direction captured the romance and stillness of the early 1900s Texas panhandle in Terrence Malick's Days of Heaven, production designer Dennis Gasner's futuristic take on Los Angeles and Blade Runner 2049 evokes similar feelings with its edifice canyons and dystopian skylines. Both are jarring, both are gorgeous, and both remain etched in your mind as you leave the theater. However, how do you top the breathless flying car future seen in the original Blade Runner? Dennis Gasner tells us how on Crew Call. One of the things I wanted to ask you in regards to um, Blade Runner 2049. This is going to take a long time, you know that. No, that's perfectly (laughs) fine. Um, We're ready. We we love these. Is um, Sid Mead, can you talk about working with him and how that collaboration works. Does he... I never worked with Sid. He was a concept artist, and, and uh, Denny was, uh, was interested in having him participate in the film. And so we, we gave him a segment to look at. Um, as if you, you, The way a film is designed, there's lots of moving parts. Each scene is a segment. Each scene has, has, its, has to have its environments created for it. Now, Sid, Sid was asked to take a look at the Las Vegas, and and he did just it as a, an homage to him, you know, which uh, we all appreciated his work in the original film. But what we were doing is we we're creating a singular film to ourselves, and uh, so he worked on the Las Vegas section. A lot of the work was uh, used, a lot of it was manipulated and and reused, and a lot of designs were so. In a sense, there was a he kind of started the ball going, but uh, there was uh, so much work that had been done on on the rest of the, the Las Vegas through through the art department itself. The art department is a is a a large organism of designers. Uh, I happen to be the head of it, and happen to be in, in work with uh, obviously Denny and and Roger Deakins to eventually arrive at the decision. And so there's many, many ideas that are explored within that in order to to arrive at the, the right decision. And Sid, Sid was part of that, it was, which was great. I, I never met him throughout the process, or, I, or, or Ridley as well, you know. So let's start with the skyline. Uh, by the way, I'm very well aware of the fact that the one word, if there was one word Denny gave you, it was brutal. Brutality. Brutality. But I got to tell you something, it's so awestruck and it's so beautiful. Well, the, the contrast to that, what, what is brutality? It's in the eye of the beholder. Uh, brutality is a why uh, is the why factor, the, the what factor and the, the, the presence of, of the imagery uh, was brutal in its sense of the architecture and the style. but. Uh, the lighting uh, that Roger came up with, which is, you know, I mean, I've worked with Roger for 28 mo- years, and it's always going to be beautiful. It's going to have, there's a sense of character to it. So it's the juxtaposition that you, we were looking for, that, which creates particular kind of tension. And in every story, you need tension. We always go back to story. Story, and so I just, I just said it. You need to have that tension within the story, and that was the tension—the the, the tension that created 
from from what Ryan's journey is Kay to to Harrison, and that was really Hearts of Darkness. That was just you know kind of what you know the one man going after another man, and what that created that created that particular tension. And Denny was so masterful at at finding the thread of that tension throughout the film, and that's what you felt. Each scene that was coming coming to you from you know, from from scene to scene, there was a another part of that chapter of the ratcheting of the tension, and that was the beauty of the film. I mean, I when I saw it for the first time, I I and I knew everything. It was exactly that for me. I could just I was feeling right. I was feeling myself on the edge of the chair. It was wonderful. Wonderful that experience. Talk about the sky, the L.A., and how you had to take it, how you had to jump it. Um, was it 30, 30 years? 35 years. 35 years into the future. Right. Tell me about that. What what you had to build upon. It all, it's like... It's, well, we, we had to build upon one thing, the trail building. <laughs> that was the foundation of everything. So it's adding on to the top of it. As any city, as a city in in uh, now Los Angeles, if you say Los Angeles today and Los Angeles, then it, it, it's irrelevant. It's a story. It's a fantasy story about a city that's that needs to protect itself. So the always going back to the word brutality. The brutality was we're in an environment, as Denny said. It was is when I first met Denny. It was in Montreal, and I said, "I get it. It's thirty degrees below zero outside. This is brutal." The snow machines. He told well, the, you to go out and look at the snow. Machines. Go look at the snow machine. And I and I said, "I'm just ready to slip under the sheets here." You know, he's gone home. And he says, "Go look." So I got dressed and went out. I got it. I got it. It's you know, it's a beautiful thing. Within sitting there shivering in, in Montreal, 30 degrees below zero, I saw something really, really beautiful. I said, that's going to be in the movie. That's what it, that's the juxtaposition of what we're looking and at. And what it was, it, I mean, you have these snow machines coming down with the snow, you know, uh, sifting the snow. We see this shot with Kay uh, mirrored in the movie. What was it about? Was it, was it uh, industrialism marching on humanity? What was it? it was, what, was what, what does it take to to uh, have a man walk on a street? Okay, if not, the environment was going to take over. the 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 brutality of the environment was going. That was the metaphor. It was it was a purely metaphorical. Almost everything in this film has a metaphor behind it. It's the brutality that we were looking for was making it so hard and so difficult. Uh, that that Terrell had to, well Wallace <laughs> Terrell started it all Wallace had to manufacture things to do the work okay so, so when you look at look at look at the overall kind of the gestalt of the film it was about the people that are that are the the, the replicants and 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 the uh, the human beings that are trying to survive within this environment and uh, it's a it's such a rich topic, you know, that uh, that's why people love, uh, I mean, the, the idea itself. And, and it's, it's always so interesting. Were there a lot of sets or was there a lot of green screen? Like, uh, I'm, I'm curious about the ratio of, say, like when he's in 
Same when he's in his apartment and when he's in San Diego. Let's take those instances. When he's in San Diego, he's in this huge trash heap. Is is most of that BFX? It was built. 85%. Well, it's all built in some way. And, uh, and this is the the thing, the funny thing about about um, discussing discussing uh, green screen, blue screen, and all, all of those those things. Everything eventually is designed. So I had to design everything. It's how it's applied. What what pencil do you use in order to create it? You know, so that's the thing that uh, is is the foundation. I had to give a document at the end so that everybody could follow the document. The document could. There's certainly wiggle room within that to, to adjust that uh, as the mood as the mood shifts and, and changes, um, but everything has to have some. It, everything has to come from this table. Eventually, it has to be, it, and it's relative to to uh, what the story needs. You know, stories are always shifting as characters are performing. When an actor comes into a, a stage set. This is the first time they've seen that. They've seen it in their mind on on the page when they've imagined it. But when they come in to, uh, I mean, this is what Ryan kept talking about. Whenever he would come into a stage set, everything changed. My game changed. You know, I had to do the dialogue, but everything changed. The shifting. The, it's the it's the organic experience of in your DNA. You're gonna there's going to be a big shift. To, to it shifts for me. As a designer, because I start with a drawing, and it moves and moves and uh, through through different hands, uh, through different artists, uh, different time period. Every day, everything shifts and shifts to finally you get to a place where that's it. You see it. It's like a, you know, it's like a great painting. The painting's not done until the painting's done. So choosing Budapest, uh, I get it. There's big film production, film credits in, in Hungary. It was better to shoot there, feasibly for you, I understand. It was only London. about stage space. It was stage space. We needed stages, and London didn't have stages. Uh, so, so we ended up shooting there because of the stage space. It also had an environment that was interesting. It, for my first experience there as well, too. There's a there's a this secessionist period where going from from Gothic into the into uh, Nouveau into the brutality of uh, of the Russian construction constructivism. So we had all these things to play with. How are we going to use them? So my job is to go and 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 find things that are relevant. And and that's going to always shift. It's always it's an organic experience. It goes on the entire uh, shooting of the film. And so we we found the best bits out of everything. We we used all the stage space we had. We turned turned them over twice, but also we needed. I needed a case exterior. I needed, and, and so we found this amazing Art Deco building where in fact the street sweeper moved in so we had to have the street in order to provide that then we we extended that because the building we wanted the building to be 80 stories it was only 25 stories so the extension of the building is a is the craft based on uh, in the special effects the visual effects department they were able to extend that because they had something real already to, that had been photographed 
in order to extend. So the lighting was correct, and, and then they just had to multiply it and make, they make that work and add, add uh, the sweet parts of the bigger part of the city. Were there other locations that you shot in in the city? Yes. Yeah, we shot uh, in um, the the one the one location when I w when I first went there. I asked the location department. I said, "So what? I need to find something. I, I just blow me away. Show me something that uh, that I haven't seen. Like I've been going through the city. The city was the city." And, and they said, well, there's a building that's a little too far away. You won't be able to shoot there. I said, well, why? Because, well, it's outside the zone. There's usually a zone of an hour travel time to get to it. And I said, how long? He goes, well, it's an hour and maybe a half, hour and 25 minutes, something like that. I said, let's go. I went there, and it was, it was a Russian-built power plant. And I got to the power plant, and I said, this is going to be in the movie. Somehow, I'm going to get this in the movie. I'm this not is sure. where he finds the horde, the correct, the figurine. Correct, yeah, exactly. And it was a, it was a, in a sense, I turned it into the interior of a super tanker. This is where he comes when, when he goes to the orphanage in the turned over satellite dish, and all the little children are picking away at the at the computer chips, and then they leave and go to Cotton's office to look at the records. That that's where they came down from the, in that staircase, and, and and where the furnaces were, and then where obviously he, he saw, saw found the horse, and he remembers the flashback. So, so tell me about the opening scene where Kay lands the spinner at the farm. Where where was that, and the inspiration of the design? Because it was um, that 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 I I love that layout. Well, it, we shot it in the back lot of of, uh, of the studio. Uh, also, where we shot the back lot of the uh, the trash mesa as well too, and those were full size real sets with multiple with uh, slight extensions. Uh, extensions today is a word that we're using when when we know that uh, we're going to be. It needs to. Be, we don't have everything there. We have eighty-five percent of the of the work, but then that extra bit needs to be added on to, and it varies uh, from. It could be you know, sixty percent. Uh, who knows? Uh, it, it varies. So that was in, we built that, and that inspiration came from really the Mojave Desert and my travels throughout the Mojave Desert, and uh, and what that. In fact, the reality of that was once the opening of the film goes over all of the dishes, uh, the uh, the dishes and then then into into basically farmland. Uh, so th those were all plates made from different parts. Uh, m one was in the Mojave Desert and extended, and then uh, going into uh, uh, some plates from I think they were in, made in Chile. Uh, can't remember. We had several locations they were, we were shooting for that. So we we would send plate units out, and they would photograph all those things, and then the set itself. Where he landed was the real set, and and, and so the, the house and the tree and, and all of the other elements, uh, the farm was was built. That was all three dimensionally, full scale, full full scale. I love his apartment. Um, can you talk? Can you talk about that? I mean, everything about it, the lights, the the steel, the I just remember this kind of like like a steel trim. Yeah, it's just all beautiful. Well, that was you know the influence of the original film, what we wanted to do is we wanted to connect 
ourselves because it was continuation stylistically from the original film, but we wanted it to be uh, we wanted it to be unique to ourselves as well from a film that if you had not seen the original film, uh, it was just a standalone film. And so that was the real balancing act, was trying to find that. So we would pull little homages. Uh, it's the, I mean, the first thing that I started with, I said, Denny, I said, we need to, we need to design the spinner first. Really, that's the first. it's going to take so long to build this, and we have multiple things to do and make a lot of them. So let's start with that. And, uh, and I said, this is going to end up creating our pattern language. In architecture, you have a, something called pattern language, which in a sense describes the brutality. And so that that language started to started to manifest itself in, in the spinner itself. And as we started to f take that shape, looking at the original spinner from the original film, we, we needed to, uh, to brutalize that and, and get that into a harder uh, shape that was logical within the environment we had, was harsh, harsh environments, the harsher environment than the original film. What, tell me about um, how you got into production design, because I know there's different there's different avenues into it. You could be an architect, you could you could do theater design. Yeah. Um, one of our senior editors, his wife, I think she started in costumes and then she came over to production design. Correct. And uh, I I studied architecture at University of Oregon, uh, where I also was uh, was playing football. I was a I was an athlete there and. And it's kind of interesting kind of choices in life, and, and they all seem to kind of fold into each other because I was always a team player. I was always playing in a uh, uh, um, challenging environment. And, and then, you know, my love of architecture. I, I, my third year, uh, saw this film uh, called Lawrence of Arabia, and I, 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 it was a, my first cinemascope film. And I woke, kind of woke up at, at the days of the end of that film. I was so mesmerized by it, and I just looked at the screen and I said, "Who's the architect of that?" And that's that's so that's how I, I that that's where the light switched in my brain. And so I moved to Los Angeles, went to a design school, Art Center College of Design, and uh, met met a friend, Doug Claiborne, and and we had this like-mindedness to work on this one film that we'd heard about. Uh, called uh, Apocalypse Now. And so Doug and I ended up working on that film together. And uh, so that was my baptism into the fire. And it was, all, it was a pretty raging fire, let's put it that way. I've always liked big fires. And uh, How many and, months were you there? Well, I, I worked on the state side. Doug, Doug did uh, his, his uh, commission there. Uh, and I, my job on the film was to design all the dossier material for the film. So I created the Marlon Brando profile, what his life was like, uh, all the imagery that uh, kind of related to who he was when he was going up the river with, uh, when Marcin was going up the river, he'd get these documents from the CIA and the profile of that. So he knew who, he knew who uh, uh, he was getting into when he met Brando, you know, at the end. And so that was a, an interesting project to, to do. How many, how many months in advance did you begin working on um, Blade Runner 2049? Well, there, first of all, there's never enough time. <laughs> the, 
you, you, I think you, you, we ended up having five or six months, something like that, to prepare it. But uh, we, we could have used another three months. But you know, you, the compression, the compression of time is uh, is all relative. You, you, you only have what you have, and you have to. Uh, I mean, I work twenty four seven anyway, so it's just a matter of, of. This is this is what the schedule is. We this is when we have to get things done, and and uh, there's no more time to think about this. And 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 it, uh, it's a it's a pretty the analogy that I that I give to to what's it when I say well people say what's it like to work on a film? I said well you're walking down this beautiful day and you come across this railroad track and and you go oh I'm going to get on the railroad track as all kids would be and you start walking on the railroad track and and. All of a sudden, you hear something in the distance. Oh, well, I guess I, I have to get off, and you can't. And all of a sudden, that that sound gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, you're walking faster and faster. And then pretty soon, you're running at top speed. And two inches behind you is this locomotive. And that locomotive, uh, if you don't if you don't uh, keep going, uh, is going to run you over. That's what designing a film is like. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Crew Call Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to subscribe for this and all other Deadline podcasts in the Podcasts app, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.